0: (laughs) I am so fired up today, fired all the way up. Rockets boosting to the moon. Love to be able to do this every week. This is the Over 6 Sports Podcast, and I am Zach the Bandit Burke with my co-pilot and partner in crime, Cam the Turf King Charlton. What's going on, Cam?
1: I mean, what can I say? Last week, we were coming off a big series win. This week, coming off a big series win. The Habs swept the Jets, and let's go. We're just sitting around waiting for Vegas or Colorado now. It's another good time. How are you doing there, Burke?
0: I um, I had a tough week. I mean, I know... In general, I'm great. I started off the pod. I'm fired up. I'm going to bring the heat today because apparently things I say on the podcast um, cause a stir. Get the conversation going. And that's what we want to do here. We want to invoke conversations with your family and friends and you share us and then you get they get to listen to what we get to say. And I love it. I love being able to start controversy. That's what this is all about. Um, but, uh, you know, when I did my Facebook live video or my Facebook video before the Leafs lost, and I, and I just want to put this out right now, is I don't want to talk about the Leafs at all right now. Um because we're not here on the podcast to talk about amateur golf, frankly, we don't really do that too much. On, the- <laughs> figured you'd appreciate that, but uh, we're not here to talk amateur golf. So, um, you know, like I said in that video, I said whoever wins this Toronto, Winnipeg or Toronto Montreal series um, is going to win the North. And I said that with full conviction, and we talked about this at the start of the year, um, and that's I'm happy to start there, where I said we, we have been banging this drum all year long, how it was Maple Leafs, Habs, and they got hurt, they had, they had COVID issues, whatever the case is, but I said in the video, Winnipeg and Edmonton are trash, and I was caught in between a rock and a hard place because I don't want the Habs to win, but I also like to be right and i was right winnipeg sucks and that it, it is what it is they they just they're not good enough and they just and I know Shifley getting kicked out and maybe we can talk about that a little bit. But Shifley not playing was was obviously instrumental. Uh, but even then, if he was playing, I mean, look at the first game as an example. Like the Habs just pushed them around and they're just a much deeper team. They play a system that they need to play. And Winnipeg sucks. So I was right. I'm sad to be right. But now that that's all out of the way, I can root for the Habs to lose. And that's my starting rant, Cam. Can you tell I'm fired up?
1: Yeah, I mean, let's go. Yeah, we talked about it all year long. I I mean, I got laughed at a bit saying the Habs are the second best team in this division. They're the only team who can push Toronto. I said it all year. Nobody believed me. You look at every other person in media. Nobody thought it was true. Everyone was taking the Jets in this series, too. No chance. All season, Montreal is the second best. Everyone's like, oh, they're by far the weakest team to make the playoffs. All this. No, they definitely backed into the playoffs. They didn't have a great regular season. There was lots of reasons for it. But they were built for the playoffs. Bergeron said it before the year. Everyone talked about it. This team, all they had to do was get in the playoffs, and they were built for the playoffs. This series, I thought was going to be over in five or six. I thought the Winnipeg was going to win a couple games, but like this we Montreal team. Did we,
0: did we have who do we pick in this series? Then we both have Habs and six. Sorry, we we both took Montreal and
1: yeah. And yeah, we I thought Habs it could six. be
0: five. I definitely thought
1: Winnipeg was yeah. Winnipeg could have picked up a couple games, but no, the Habs are just rolling right now. That's seven wins in a row. They didn't yep. do that all season. They only had a three-game winning streak all season. Now it's seven in a row. They haven't trailed for one second during the stretch. It's now the second-longest mm. stretch in NHL playoff history. And, yeah, I mean, Winnipeg's not very good. And it, I don't know if we want to touch on the Shafley thing now,
0: but, I mean, yeah. It may as well. I mean, it's it, the thing is, is, it, is it, it, it affected the series, but I still maintain... As per my Facebook video, and if you have my Facebook, great. It's I'm just I'm Zach Burke on Facebook. You can find me. Picture of me and my kid um, drinking out of red Solo cups. That's that's what the picture is. Um, go on and watch the video because we both said that they suck. Uh, sorry, I, we both said that Winnipeg's bad. I said it right before the Leafs uh, game versus Habs game seven, and. Um, Yeah, so I don't think like the Shifley thing directly affected it. In a sense, I mean, maybe Winnipeg would have got one win out of it. I don't know. They still had a lot of weapons, but let's get into it because I mean, like that hit. Um, you know, the first time that I watched that Shifley hit, I mean, he caught him clean. Now let me explain what I mean by clean because I had an opinion of the night that it happened, and I had a different opinion of the next day. So. The first clip that I saw was the slow motion clip from behind the net. So all you see is about two, three seconds. So you see um, Shifley coming from the bottom of the circle, gliding into Evans and delivering a clean body check. That's what I saw originally. And I was like, okay. I mean, that doesn't really deserve a suspension. I mean, Evans had his head down like it's still the playoffs. It's still the NHL. Like, I don't know what you expect. I get it's late game, but I mean, it's pretty obvious you play whistle to whistle. And then I saw the fact that he skated from the blue line. And the first thought that I had was okay, well, you need to get from one end to the other. Except for the fact that the play before, he was pissed off. And it was pretty obvious that he didn't deviate from his pass. So it's a charge. And you sent me the definition of a charge. And I read it. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's a charge. It's a charge is a charge is a charge. I thought it was worth two games. And he got four. So it is what it is.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. is, If you just look at the play, it's not a head check. It doesn't break any of the head checking rules. It doesn't break any of that. The issue was it was a charge. And the issue is, is 190 feet he skated. 180 feet of that was trying to stop Evans from scoring. But with about 10 feet left, he made the decision that he wasn't going to get the puck anymore. And they were headed to game two. And let's make a play here. By definition, he broke the rule charging. And there was a massive injury on it. Evans was stretchered off the
0: ice. You can't argue that. Which you he don't broke... like to see, by the way. Like, just, just no. like, I mean, nobody wants I mean, Mark Shifley didn't want to see that either, but I don't know what you can expect when you deliver that hit. Well, that's the thing, is he made a decision there that he wasn't going to get the puck anymore. If he tried making a play at the
1: puck with his stick or something, he might be able to stop the goal. Hitting him there, he had no chance at stopping the goal. So he was trying to make an impact. So the thing is, is Shifley broke a rule. It's charging. By the definition of charging... It is a hundred percent charging and you injured a guy to the point where he had to be stretched off the ice. So that's where the suspension comes from. Did he break a rule? The answer is yes. Yes, he did. Was the outcome a devastation to Evans? Yeah. So you broke a rule that caused a massive injury. That's up for suspension. Do I think four games was too much? Even as a Habs fan? Yeah. I thought he was going to get two. I thought two was the right number. Yes. These are plays that 10 years ago, they were fine in the game. They were encouraged. Oh, everything yeah. we know, everything we know about head injuries and all that anymore there's no really good reason for this to be in the game anymore and these are the ones that really can be avoided quite easily in my opinion well, and it's one
0: of those things too right where um like it it suspensions shouldn't necessarily be circumstantial because Then you're opening Pandora's box, right? Where you're like, okay, so, well, he got checked before the play, and that's why he got... I mean, it doesn't really matter. As I said, my opinion has switched a little bit. And as I said, I thought he should have got two, and I agree with you. Um, The reality is, is that, yeah, I mean... And people will, you know, bitch and complain, well, the NHL is going soft. You got to keep your head up. And, yeah, I mean, maybe he's got to keep his head up. But, try- like, what are you going to do? You're trying to do a wraparound. Like, I don't really get how you can get your head up there. And I just want to acknowledge, too, I mean, like, Shifley's family got a lot of hate and death threats and all this kind of stuff, which is – and we've talked we, we're, – we're very much proponents of this, right? We're, and we mentioned it multiple times where – it's super offside to go after somebody's family for stuff like that. Scheifele's not in general a dirty player. Hell, he doesn't even swear on the ice. He's, he says frick and heck and all this kind of stuff on the ice. I mean, by all intents and purposes, he's a good guy. But then, I mean, some of the stuff that he says post-suspension, obviously he didn't agree with the hit. But, like, you got to have some situational awareness there, man. Like, it's just, you you, you got to know that, when you're a big guy like Shifley is and you crush a little guy and have, you know, and it's, and, and again, this is where I'm wondering, Cam, is like intent to injure comes into play. And it, I, I, and I it, it's got to be a gray area here because I don't think, well, and I don't know. I don't know when Shia Shifley's head, but like, you know, did he intend to have him stretchered off the ice? Probably not. Did he intend to rock him to the next universe? Absolutely, he did. So is that where, you know, intent to injure comes in, where it's like, okay, you could have played the puck here, but you instead decided to just level this guy, and it's actually your responsibility as a player to know that that kind of hit will cause an injury, and is that why it's an intent to injure hit?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's my argument right now against it, and I mean, I'm just... Like, Shafley's first thing right after the suspension, coming out, and he didn't really show much sympathy or think he did anything wrong. The only thing he touched on, which we have said multiple times is wrong, when people are going after his family and stuff on social media, phone calls, whatever, that's wrong. But that seemed to be his biggest point. He wasn't showing any sympathy for Jake Evans or thinking he did it wrong. And today just added to that, and he's just whining. He's like, Philip Deneau didn't shut me down, it was the Department of Player Safety. No, Mark Shifley, it was you crossing the line. And so that's where, like, we brought it back a couple playoffs ago. Paul Byron, who doesn't throw hits, isn't nope. a dirty player, he got suspended three games because for a hit on Mackenzie Uyghur. And right away, he comes out, and he's like, I accept and respect the decision made by player safety. I like to make it clear I had no intention of causing injury or finishing the check through Uyghurs' head. I think I have a history, and I conduct myself in a good manner. And he just talked about, I've learned a lesson through this and will make sure any future hits result in a clean and legal fashion. Shifley didn't show any of this. He's just blaming defa- department player safety, showing no remorse, doesn't mention Evans. In Byron's stuff, he keeps mentioning Weger, how he's checked in on him, how he's apologized. Like, Shifley just doesn't seem to care. And I've, I've loved Mark Shifley, had a ton of respect for him. But when he's just whining about it and it's over, especially now, you're done. The series is over. you can't do anything. To not mention, like, yeah, I'm happy to see Jake Evans is back on the ice. I felt sorry. Like, I never want to see that. He really didn't touch on that very much. And that's just, I mean, I know I'm a Habs fan, and I'm slightly biased towards it. But I want to see that from somebody. You broke a rule. You injured a guy where he needed to be stretchered off the ice. Show some remorse for that and say you're going to learn.
0: I don't and think even March, if, yeah, no, and even if, um, even if you don't agree with the ruling, like, let's just point this out. If you don't agree with the ruling, you can still show sympathy for the injured player. I think that's the major point here, is, is that it's pretty obvious that he doesn't agree with the call, he doesn't agree with the suspension. So, if that's the case, and he can have his own opinion, absolutely. Like, everybody, like, you know, anybody who's a hockey player can have that opinion. Or whatever you want, I don't care. Right? But, at the end of the day, a guy got stretched off the ice. You should have some sort of remorse there. Heck, I was playing, um, you know, with my realtor group, and I, you know, I accidentally, um, you know, a guy, me and a guy turned at the same time. He's five seven, and I'm six two, and I hit him, and on skates, obviously taller. Like he was really small, and he got my shoulder to the head. And again, it's just pickup hockey, like, and then there was no malintent, but I felt terrible. I mean, the guy like had a concussion, whatever the case is, I texted him after and I was like, man, like, I didn't mean to do this, but I felt horrible for a long period of time and it was accidental, right? So if you're a professional athlete and you intentionally hit somebody and they get stretchered off the ice like that, you, you like... Even if, like, from a PR perspective, even if you feel zero ounces of remorse, you have to, you have to come out and say, just to save your own brand, to save your, your good guy status. Because if you come out and are a whiny little bitch, like, the next time you do something that's borderline, you don't think the Department of Player Safety is going to look at that? They, they look at this in the court of law. Like, if you get convicted of a crime and you show no remorse they hit you with the worst uh, sentence. Absolutely, they do. The judge will come out with a ruling and says, you know, according to the docs, this, 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 you're, uh, and the jury says you're guilty, and your sentence, well, you showed zero remorse, so you're obviously a bad person, and this is the sentence you get. Like, you you can bet every, I bet every penny that I have, that if that ever happened again, they'd be like, oh, you didn't show zero remorse. Now you're just a repeat offender, and here you go, throw the book at him.
1: Well, yeah, that's the thing, is at the end of the day, there's nobody here, even when I showed you the rule for charging, you broke a rule and you injured somebody Qu- quite badly. Show some remorse or at least like, what is Mark Shifley's team, his PR team and people he has around him? What are they doing to not tell him? Like, apologize, at least show some remorse. And I mean, I, I don't want to talk and sit here and talk about Shifley forever, but like to say like the Department of Player Safety was the reason and they shut you down and going on about that's why you lost this series and no one ever thought you were going to win. Actually, everyone did take you to win, yep. One first off.
0: The books had you as winning, by the way.
1: The books had them as yeah. favorites. Every media person was still taking them. So you're wrong there. And just to not care, like, Montreal was missing players too. They have injuries. It's playoff time. Everyone's missing players. And sorry, Mark Shifley, you're a great player. You're an all-star probably in this league. Do you actually think you are going to win your team four games,
0: you alone? Like, Montreal dominated the series. Mac, okay, let's be honest here. You just swept the Oilers, and McDavid couldn't do that. So if McDavid couldn't do that, there's no chance Mark Scheifele doing that. Like, zero. So, I mean, I think we can move off of the topic. I mean, the reality is, is, as I said, and I don't mind. Like, that's an opportunity where, like, I just want to acknowledge is, like, I came out and said, I. you can look at my Twitter. As, as I said, all, over six, we always try to be transparent. I came out on over six. I voted on a poll. And I said I thought it deserved zero suspension I'm on the night that it happened. And then Cam showed me the rule. I saw the longer clip and I was like, okay, like that's, that's, yeah, I mean, I can't really argue with that because that's what it is. So, should have been two, got four. And I mean, there's not, really no bigger FU from the Habs. But like, you injured our player. Okay, well, you're out in four. So well, that's the, f-
1: the funniest thing about all of this is,
0: Mark Shifley, you are now missing the season opener next season due to this suspension. Oof, that is that is tough. And actually, Cam, speaking of sweep and then sweep, I, like how many times has that happened in the NHL where a team sweeps another team in the first round of the playoffs and then gets swept in the second round? That can't be very common. That's the sixth
1: time in NHL history it's happened. But the other weird stat that we'll see if Vegas, Colorado does it. No team who has ever swept the first round. So follow this has beat a team who went seven in the first round. So Montreal mm. went seven, yep. Winnipeg swept. No team who has ever done the sweeping in the first round facing a team who went seven in the first round is won. So that's still continued. So you follow that trend, and that means the Avalanche will lose to Vegas, and at this point it's looking like it. But we'll touch on more of the NHL later. I think we've got to move into a
0: couple of these other headlines of the past week. Before we move into the headlines, Cam, I got something I want to say. So I've been – as I said at the start of the show, I don't want to talk about leaf stuff because the Leafs, as I said, amateur golfers right now. I just want to clarify something that I said last week on the podcast because it's caused a lot of stir and a lot of people calling me out, asking me questions, all this kind of stuff. I just want to make it crystal clear what I was talking about in terms of the Leafs' Morgan Riley, and the expansion draft and what I think they should do with them. So, what I said last week. And maybe this didn't come across correctly, and maybe that's my fault. But I'm getting a lot of flack because people are saying, "Oh, you want to give Morgan Riley away for free? Blah blah blah. He's a great player. Any any team would want him on their defense." Okay, so let's unpack this here. What I said, or what I meant to say, because you you can clip my clip from last week, whatever the case is, and it does happen where I forget what I said. But what I have meant to say in this regard um, is that. If the Leafs were to ex- have to expose the defenseman, I would prefer if they exposed Morgan Riley. Cam mentioned, you mentioned to me last week that he has a modified no move clause. Okay? So that might not be possible. But if it was possible, out of the defensemen that that they have on contract currently that can be exposed in the expansion draft, I would be okay with them exposing Morgan Riley because it frees up $5 million in cap space right now before the season starts so that they can go out, get a number one defenseman, which Morgan Riley, and I'll say this right now, is not a number one defenseman. I don't think he's a number two defenseman on a good team. I think he's a number three defenseman on a good team. And yes, I would keep Jake Muzzin. He's got winning pedigree. Obviously, he played really well in the playoffs. TJ Brody was unreal. Justin Hall has a lot of potential on a cheap deal. And you've got a couple of guys on entry-level deals. Okay? So I am absolutely okay if they expose him and he got picked up. Now, what I'm not saying is that if he did not get picked up in the expansion draft that you should just let him walk to free agency i don't that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is is if you have the opportunity for him to get picked up and you free up five million cap space and you save your other assets that's what i'm more concerned about you save your other assets especially on defense where i think we have a positive core on defense we might have to add a little bit but it's not bad If you have that opportunity to save those guys and you have to sacrifice a guy on a last year of a $5 million deal when he's going to want seven next year or six and a half, which we can't afford, go ahead and do it. And if you can trade him the next year and get something back, great. I don't think that's going to happen. I think he walks free anyway. So I would way rather you go out and get number one D, you save the $5 million in cap space, and you go from there. And that is my clarification of the Morgan Rally situation.
1: Yeah, I do have a quick thing to defend it anyways. So if everyone's thinking that giving Morgan Riley away in an expansion draft is giving him away for nothing, $5 million or $5.5 million in cap space is not nothing in today's NHL. You see teams trade cap all the time, not directly, like they can't trade cap, but just in comparison, Montreal and Winnipeg made a deal a few years ago. Winnipeg wanted to get rid of Steve Mason's cap hit. Montreal doesn't didn't care about a ha- cap hit, so they were willing. They're like, yeah, I don't care. So Montreal got a draft pick and Joel Armia to take on Steve Mason's contract. That's how much Winnipeg didn't want that, didn't want the, the money on their cap and stuff. So cap space is quite valuable. You look at Joel Armia this playoffs, and they got a pick for taking on Mason's contract. That's huge. So just solely getting rid of a cap hit, especially when you're a
0: team who's tight, is not nothing. It actually is valuable. And that's something that the Leafs have to do. I mean, they're good. They have lots of guys to sign. I don't think that Morgan Rowley has a future in Toronto. I'm not saying that I don't like the guy, by the way. Like, I think that he's decent. I'm just saying that he's not this, like, number one defenseman that everybody thinks that he is because he's not. And, you know, if you're a Leafs fan or whatever fan, you want to blast me for that, fine. Look at the numbers. Look at the numbers that, uh, um, Oh shit! Who's the guy that's on Edmonton uh, that played for us? Uh, Tyson Berry. Look at the nice the numbers that Tyson Berry's put up this year on a different team. You could say, well, that means that Morgan Rally's playing a bad team. Well, it's not that. It's that he's been injured a lot. Like he's injured a lot. He does not produce on the power play. He does not produce generally overall. I know I played a clip of Morgan Rally scoring in overtime when the you know a like, couple weeks ago, but he's just he's not the same right now. And he's not the defenseman that the Leafs need at $5 million. That's it. That's the bottom line. Yeah, the big thing
1: I will touch on Morgan Riley is you see it with true number one defensemen. They need to be better in their own end. And at times, he's not great. Like even in Edmonton, Tyson Berry's not close to their number one. Darnell Nurse can do it both ways. He is a number one D. I mean, Montreal is kind of on the edge. I think they have a lot of twos who can play both ways. But Jeff Petrie is a guy who can be offensive and play in his own end. So he's kind of pushing that number one. Morgan Riley at times is horrible in his own end. And at times he makes a lot of mistakes offensively. So I think that's my argument. I think he's a two to three. So somewhere in the neighborhood you do. But I just think to be a true number one in this league, he's not good enough in his own end. And you need somebody who can be that true number one with him.
0: And if you're relying on him as a Leafs to close it out, if you're relying on Morgan Riley as your number one, that's a problem. And I think it's pretty obvious in this playoffs that that's what's happened. So that is the end of our Leafs talk for the day. We're not talking about any more Leafs. They're out of the playoffs. This is the end of the Leafs, at least until closer to the draft or if anything pops up in the news. I'm done. It's off my chest. I just wanted to clarify to get the haters out of here, but I do appreciate your listens. I do appreciate the conversation that's going on. And when you're talking about the Leafs or when you're talking about anything NHL, if over six sports is top of mind, I love you. Thank you for listening.
1: Well, I mean, one of our headlines does touch on the Leafs a little bit. So oh. I know it's it's upset quite a few Leafs fans. And the CN Tower lit Ooh. up in a red, blue, and white for the Montreal Canadiens. And right from their Twitter feed, they said it was for the Montreal Canadian team Yikes. representing this country. So this is kind of a weird thing because I don't know if everyone knows, but the CN Tower is actually a federal building. Mm-hmm. So with Montreal being the last team in Canada, it's a federal building. It's a federal choice. But it's the biggest monument in Canada and Toronto. When you see skylines of Toronto, it's the Rogers Centre CN Tower. When you think Toronto, it's the CN Tower. So it lighting up with halves colours is pretty funny. It's the greatest troll job by their own city. And you see it from guys like J.D. Bunkus from Sportsnet. He's tweeting out, just when you think it can't get any more embarrassing to be a Leafs fan, it somehow does. They're not even playing hockey anymore, and it still gets more embarrassing. Yeah. So I thought it was quite a troll job by the own city. You did see John Tory come out today yeah. and say the Toronto sign will not be lit up that colors because Good. that is a municipal choice. Yes. But that's the funny thing about it being a federal building is it actually isn't technically Toronto's choice. It's a federal thing. And you know what? Montreal is the last team in the country. I think more people in this country should get behind them.
0: It's a federal thing. And you know who the prime minister of the government is right now? What's his last name? Trudeau. What's his last name, Cam? Trudeau. And is Trudeau French?
1: Well, yeah, he's not directly French, but he is a Habs fan. Is yeah, the name has...
0: Trudeau French? Yes. Exactly. So there you go. So talk about some government bull crap. That's exactly what that is. I mean, you know what? The reality of the uh, uh, is that when you blow a three-one lead to your biggest rival, it's gonna happen, and. Nobody who – I mean, I guarantee you the guys who actually had to switch the colors on that, I'm sure it was at the CN Tower that had to do that, probably were like, "Uh, how much do I like this job? Well, like, I can't believe um, it.
1: Imagine if New York had the – like they lost to the Red Sox and had the Empire State Building in red. <laughs> like that would never happen. No chance. No, there's zero chance that would no ever chance. happen. So never. it's actually just never. quite hilarious. And it just adds to f- – still being able to enjoy the first round series. I mean, Montreal it's, already it's, has won a second round now and I still get to
0: laugh at Leafs fans a bit and enjoy it. It's just gutless. I mean, and full disclosure, I officially, now that I was right about Winnipeg, cause that was my biggest thing. I said, the start of the show, that was my biggest thing. Now that I'm right, I want them to lose so bad. Cause if they make the cup final, I'm going to throw up. Cause that, and I talked about this earlier. I said, the Leafs have the easiest path to the conference final and, to the Stanley Cup, and we don't know what's gonna happen. We never played a team outside our division up until now. But if they make the Stanley Cup final, I might throw up. Seriously. It's it would be horrendous. I don't want to see it happen. I'm sorry. Love you, bro. hey I just I I will be rooting so hard against the halves, honestly.
1: So you're gonna work from one troll job to another. So I know we kind of mentioned this beforehand and you hadn't heard about it, but this Bryson and Brooks stuff just keeps going. Mm-hmm. So on the weekend, there was lots of Brooks Kepka fans. Clearly, he wasn't playing this weekend, but there was lots of his fans who were following Bryson around, saying "Brooksy," and just kept calling Oof. him "Brooksy." So what did Bryson do? Got these fans kicked out of the tournament. He's just like, "No, nah, you call me Brooksy, you're gone." Got them to kick him out I, of the tournament. I don't
0: get it. How can you so, just kick fans out for that? Like, like, is that a, in in the code of conduct? Like when you get there, that like, you can't yell certain things? Like as a fan, how are you supposed to know?
1: Yeah, I mean, heckling in golf's kind of a gray area. I mean, there's a lot of people who don't like it. But this is where, like, Bryson's throwing shots. He's not innocent in this. So you should expect heckling back. But, uh, I mean, that's why I don't like Bryson. So what did Brooks do? He's a Michelob Ultra guy. This is one of his big sponsors. He drinks her beer or whatever. He goes on Twitter and says, he starts it off with, Hi, it's Brooksie here. Just drinking a Michelob Ultra. He says, I hear some of my fans got kicked out of the tournament this weekend. <laughs> Myself and Michelob Ultra would like to help you out. So the first 50 people who have, can have proof that they were kicked out of the tournament this weekend, we will be sending a case of beer to. That is so
0: amazing. So just
1: complete troll job back at Bryson. And then Bryson's going on about it being bullying. Bryson Come is completely on. acting like he is innocent in this. It's not bullying if it's back and forth and you keep going. If it was just Brooks over and over again at you, okay, yeah, sure. You were the first person to start this years ago when you brought up that Brooks is overweight and doesn't have a six pack, and now it's continued. Brooks doesn't like your slow play. It doesn't go. And now it's just you can't handle it. You And he commented.
0: It. And he commented when Brooks was doing his interview behind his face about starting putts online. Like, let's not forget about that. And we talked about that. Was it last week or the week before? Like he he was the one. Bryson was the one who freaking started it. This guy came out and like behind, like whispered in his ear, essentially like, "Yeah, Brooks, if you start putts online, you won't uh, fuck up the pets." <laughs> like, come on, man, grow a pair. Also, when you're an adult man talking about bullying, I'm sorry. Like, I get there's situations on that. When you're a professional athlete, and as you said, when you're the one facilitating it for the most part, like if you're gonna dish it, you can expect to take it. Like, don't give me this bullshit about how you're offended by it. Like, come on, man. Have some balls. I mean, this is the same guy who, like, somebody blinks in the crowd when he's swinging and he, like, steps away from the tee. I've stepped away from the tee when I don't feel a shot's right. But this guy, like, somebody, like, breathes the wrong way and he's like, nope, can't hit the ball. Too distracting. Like, fuck off, man. Come on.
1: But yeah, it's just absolutely hilarious for Brooks to come on Twitter, offer Michelob Alter to all these fans who got kicked out, and he's just completely owning it and having fun with it. He's injured again, so he's not playing golf, but he's still in Bryson's head, and it just goes. and Bryson kept talking about and putting out the pictures of, "I'm glad to be living rent free in your head." Clearly, Brooks is doing the same thing, Bryson. Not.
0: I mean, Clearly I mean, Brooks it, is doing the same. Here's the thing: is like. Brooks has got to be a little careful because if you're gonna keep being a band-aid, like I could totally picture like uh Bryson showing up with like a knee brace one day. Like showing up with a knee brace, limping like same knee as Kapka, limping out there, and then just like ripping it off and smacking drives on the on the practice range. Like I could totally see that happening. I hope it does. Because I love the animosity. There needs to be more animosity in golf, and we've said that before. Um but I, I I love as I said I love I love the fights I love I I just love the chirping back and forth we need more of this in golf and uh, I mean Kevin Kisner had something to say about that didn't he
1: Yeah K- Kisner just basically touched on it and he's like I want to get all this stuff off social media and let's have a pay per view So there was <laughs> lots of talk Is is he talking like they need to do like a rough and rowdy type thing or do they need to play a match against each other on pay per view Yeah. Kisner kind of left it up to your imagination, and I think he did that on purpose, knowing Kisner and hearing seeing what he does. So he just touched on a great point, and I'm like, I'd be good with
0: either. Let's see them play a match of 18 and then do a rough and rowdy after. Yeah. Whoever, like, wins the round, like, gets to, like, choose the size of boxing gloves, like MMA or, like, full boxing gloves, or they win, like, a round out of five because they can't go that long. But, man, Kisner's such a shit disturber. Like, this guy it would be, like... And like when he's done playing professional golf, like there's no doubt in my mind that he'll be part of Barstool Sports. Like it's the writings on the wall. Like this guy is, uh, is perfect for the media where he's kind of like that quiet guy, but then just comes in with the hammer all the time. And uh, yeah, if you listen to, you know, Four Play or whatever the case is, like shout out to those guys. Like if you listen to them and kiss, one of their boys, like seriously, like he'd be amazing to have permanently on the show.
1: Oh yeah, Kisner's just awesome. Every time you hear him in media when he's with Barstool, it's just the same guy. He's just a guy you can you can relate to so much, and he's just out there having fun. I mean, he's not a guy like he said he's never going to hit it as far as Bryson because he's not going to train that hard because he likes his family and beer way too much.
0: Yep. Well, that's, and that's don't. How, isn't not, that the same for all of us? Yeah.
1: I mean, how do you not love that? This guy's making millions of dollars playing golf. And he's like, yeah, I could probably be better, but I kind of like beer and my family too much to do that.
0: (laughs) Like, It's just awesome. Like, Which, and the same guy says it ain't a hobby. Yeah, I mean, it ain't a hobby, kids, but it kind of is. Like, it kind of is a hobby to you. And it's just, it's amazing that he's so good at what he does that he can make that much money essentially doing a hobby. That's what it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, he trains like crazy and still practices like crazy, but
0: he doesn't oh, yeah, spend but ten hours in the gym no. and stuff. Or pro- yeah, chugging just... protein shakes like in like TikTok videos, Bryson or whatever the case is, right? Like, let's put this into a context. Um, we got another, we got a couple other headlines. Before we do into that, I want to stay on the golf for a second. So, we played in our first scramble this week, this past weekend, Cam, and we yeah. shot we shot minus seven, which is pretty bad. So, let's let's talk to the turf king first of all. What did you think of the course? We played at Tilson View Fairways, I believe it was.
1: I mean, it was it was fine. It's a short municipal course that's quite good. I mean, for something that's called Tilson View Fairways, though, they never had a they don't have a single fairway cut, <laughs> which seems odd. The rough and fairways are all the same height, which seems odd to me. But I mean, it's a cheap municipal course. It is what it is. I don't really that have too much advantage to say on to it.
0: us though honestly like if the fairways and the rough are pretty much the same it means everything's pretty well short so it can't be worse but like what was our downfall the ribs were good by the way shout out to the Norwich merchants and uh, junior scene team i mean they threw on a great event shout out to Gator barbecue i mean you know great great company we had a great time had a lot of twisted tees it was amazing uh, shout out to our team Kyle and Mitch they were also amazing to hang out with as they always are what went wrong with us, Cam, though?
1: Well, I mean, when it comes down to it, it's just putting for the most part when it comes to scramble. If you need somebody or two people to get hot with the putter, our proximity to hole and approaches weren't great. They weren't bad. And, I mean, we made two bogeys, which you just can't do in scramble. Yikes. It seems like we were all hitting bad shots at the same time. We were all hitting okay shots at the same time. Nobody really got hot with the putter or irons. So it's, I mean, minus seven's okay. We had two eagles in there, two bogeys, but. I mean, just an
0: all-around average day, and really for a scramble at that course, an average score. Well, I mean, the reality is is moving forward. Now we set the benchmark. We got I think we got two more this year, two more. I think one's going to be, uh, you know, the Norwich Curling Club um, scramble coming up, and then we've got a, uh, a member guest July tenth, which is a scramble best ball alternate shot. I think is that it. Uh, yeah, six holes, six holes of each. So uh, we'll have to have an over under on how many times I swear at Burke within the six, <laughs> six holes of alternate shot. Zero. So. I'm gonna be piping it that day for sure. Um, we'll keep you updated on our personal amateur golf because obviously that's what everybody here wants to hear is how we do on the golf course. So I mean, it's you know we're gonna talk about Brooks and all that. I mean, we can talk about us. Like we're we're okay. <laughs> Yeah,
1: but I think we've avoided it for far too long. I know we have at least one listener who wants to hear these takes. I mean oh we offered offered him the chance to come on and talk about it and he's not here tonight, so nope, didn't show we up. Gotta talk, we gotta talk about this Julio trade. Yes. I mean, it was what, Julio for a
0: second and a fourth, I believe. Yes. As as it said now. I mean there was discussion um whether they were gonna swap picks, so like swap a fourth for a fifth or whatever the case was. I didn't see that come through the pipe. It looked to me like it was because it was kind of like there's an agreement in place. I didn't see it officially. Did you see it officially? I can't remember if I saw it officially or not. But anyways, okay. it's Julio for a Either second way. and a
1: mid-round pick. There could be a swap in there. I mean, I honestly, it's the Atlanta Falcons. I don't pay that close attention. And <laughs> it's a starting-to-be-washed-out
0: superstar. Yeah. So it. um, let me start with this one because this is somewhere that I'm passionate about. and. That would be um, redoing contracts or, as, as commonly referred to, restructuring contracts. A.K.A. basically s- spending money down the road so that you have better cap situation now. So I, I, trading Julio is the right move. But they did they signed Matt Ryan, basically. they they basically put his big money down the road, so he's playing cheaper for this year, and he will be washed up in the next couple of years. And I think restructuring contracts is dumb. I think it actually like not only the integrity of the game and like I think you should have to honor contracts like the NHL, they do it, MLB for the most part, they do. football's its own anomaly. I've come on the podcast and I talked about this before. And this is why it's dumb is because you do these things and then you get put in a position where you trade your number one wide receiver, which was the right move. But you did a stupid thing prior to that. Like you, you, you stupidly put the money down the road. So now you're fucked for the next two to three years. Cause you don't have a good, like, it's going to be Matt Ryan to Kyle Pitts. That's it. I mean, you got Calvin really. that's fine and dandy, but like Julio's Okay. So let me be careful what I say here because Julio has been a top five receiver in the past couple of years. He was not as good last year. From a fantasy perspective, he's always a risky bet because he always, always, always gets pretty well double teamed. He doesn't get a lot of touchdowns. He'll get you some, if you're in a PPR league, uh, points per per reception league, um, he'll get you half a point. He'll get you some yards, but he doesn't get a lot of touchdowns which is valuable in fantasy. So the last couple of years, he's been okay. He's, he's not, in my opinion, and maybe you disagree, Cam, he's not a top 10 receiver in the league right now. There's so many guys that you can point to and say, wow, these guys are amazing. And, and doesn't matter if you double team. I just don't see him as a top 10 wide receiver in the league. And there's a lot of people who's like, oh, well, he's worth, he's worth the first round. And I'm like, are you out of your mind? I thought a second round pick was great. But as I said, coming back to it, restructuring contracts, dumb, trading Julio, good, second round pick, probably what he's worth. If you want to bitch about it, then I I can't help you.
1: Yeah, I mean, healthy Julio's still probably in the conversation as a top 10 wide receiver. He had issues being healthy last year. He's not getting any younger. So those are just facts. There seems to be an issue with the Falcons overall here about what direction they want to go. And that was started with the Matt Ryan restructuring, which made no sense to me. That's, I think, the biggest issue they've had with this team. Matt Ryan restructuring made no sense. You had a top three draft pick. You could have picked up a franchise quarterback, really started to reset, trade Matt Ryan, trade Julio, reset. Instead, you've kind of put yourself in a tough position. You have Calvin Ridley, Matt Ryan, and you were going to have Julio Jones. You've added Kyle Pitts now. One, there's only one football. How do you spread it around to those guys? Yep. 2 Matt Ryan how many years does he have left of being really good is he going to be really good this year i i don't know anymore he's an aging veteran too so i think the Atlanta Falcons have just made a whole mess of this offseason i mean we t- i touched on it in our draft preview i really thought they should have gone Justin Fields even after the restructuring of Matt Ryan cuz it just didn't make sense they're not going to win this year they're not that good of a team even with Julio i don't know how anybody thinks this team's going to compete And clearly somebody in the Falcons organization does, and that's where all this confusion is coming from. So, like, if people are touching on, it doesn't make sense because the Matt Ryan restructuring. Yeah, I guess I see your point, but you're still not winning. So they already made one mistake. Don't make one mistake and then keep adding to it. Now let's make the smart moves. Trading Julio is a smart move. You got a second and a mid-rounder. He's not worth a first or multiple firsts. This is probably his value as a second and a mid. Two picks. So I think they made a good move. You don't want to, just because you fucked up with the Matt Ryan contract and really screwed that up and made mistakes. You can't just keep adding to it and make more mistakes and put yourself in a bigger hole. You got Kyle Pitts. He's going to be a great cornerstone to build around. Add a couple more picks. Second round picks are super valuable in the NFL still. It's not like the NHL where you're unsure. Mm -hmm. You got to reset. So you have just got to figure out how to manage around this Matt Ryan contract now. But yeah, it's just a smart move don't turn one mistake into multiple and be bad for 10 to 15 years. Be bad for three years.
0: Yeah, it sucks you're paying all that money to Matt Ryan over these years, but reset. This is what, and like like bringing our, our own flavor into this, this is what Miami did for a lot of years. I don't know about restructuring necessarily, but they maintained mediocrity for years and years and years. And they just were okay. They made a, they made the playoffs once in the last ten years, but they, they were just okay. And the difference in the NFL as opposed to the NHL, which we talk about a lot, is that teams like the Habs, for example, are not gonna win like if, if the if I'm trying to figure out a good comparison here. Like the Habs in the NFL are essentially like kind of like Miami in, in in the NFL, where they have pretty good depth all around they don't really have this number one stud for everybody to lean on but they have really good depth they have a lot of two three guys they don't have that number one guy because Miami doesn't have the number one guy two has hasn't proved himself as a number one guy they don't have a number one wide receiver they have a great defender in Xavier Howard similar to Shea Weber or whatever Carey Price however you want to compare that but they don't have that number 1 kind of guy but they've got good depth now they're working on it obviously and it's a little bit different the comparison's not amazing and i get that but the point of the matter is is that you know teams like the Habs if they were like Miami and they are, sorry the NHL is like the NFL would have no chance this is the this is the and this is the interesting thing about the NFL is is that teams that have okay depth and are all right are still going to get killed you have, like, you have to reset in the NFL way more than you have to do in the NHL. You can't pull a Washington where you just roll out the same guy. Look at the Texans. They've rolled out pretty much the same guys a lot. They had J.J. Watt forever. They had, they've had Deshaun for quite a few years. They had um, uh, Hopkins for a couple years, and they kept rolling out the same team, putting in little minor pieces, and it didn't work. Now, they're a bit of an anomaly because their team is just a dumpster fire because they made horrible trades. The point of what I'm trying to say is, is that you need at some point to just acknowledge that you're not going to win. And too many teams think, oh, we have a chance. Well, no, you don't. Because look look at the Falcons and then look at the Chiefs or look at the Bills. Heck, look at the Browns. I mean, I never thought I would actually say that, but like, look at the Browns. Are you gonna tell me right now that Atlanta has any hopes and prayers to the Browns? And I know I get it. You made the Super Bowl. What was it, four or five years ago? I get it. I understand. But if you make the Super Bowl one year, you—sorry to bring it up, Falcons fans—you blow a twenty-eight to three lead, and the next year you're not even close. Like it's time. You, you're getting too old. You gotta fully reset. This is why restructuring was stupid. And this is the first step. You do not want to waste four to five years of Kyle Pitts on mediocrity. It makes no sense. Reset now. Like get yourself a Brian Flores. I know that you you fired uh, you fired Dan Quinn. Great, that was a good start. But firing Dan Quinn, like man, you got to follow that up with more actions. Like you just can't roll at the same team with a different coach. Like this is not this is not like firing Claude Julian. This is not the same thing. Like it just it doesn't work that way. Like you you can't just keep rolling to be, oh yeah, they'll do okay. No, they won't. You're gonna get killed by every other team who has fundamentally made their team better. And not only that, Cam, before I let you go, another one on this one. The Falcons' problem was never offense. Ever. Their problem all year long was defense. They could not get a stop. They always gave up leads, they couldn't do anything. So if you want to run back the same team on offense, by all means, do it. Cause you had success last year and I should know I bet on them a crap ton. And it was really stupid. It was like me betting on the Buffalo Sabres this year. It's like, I'm like, Oh yeah, they'll win this week. They got to, it's impossible that they're going to lose. Nope. They would blow a lead and that's how it happened. So they needed to improve their defense. They haven't done that. So, so Now you're starting to trade your offense. Bro, if you're going to rip it all down, rip it all down or build up your defense. It's one or the other.
1: Yeah, I mean, so this is the big thing. They had a really good run a few years ago. If you ignore the Super Bowl and the blown lead, which nobody's going to ever stop talking about. but Never. If you ignore that, you're the rule. Once you get a good couple years of runs, you really got to start to reset in the NFL. That's the rule. There's an exception. The Patriots are an exception. The Steelers are kind of almost on that edge of being an exception. But for the most part, when teams go for it and are really close for a year or two, they have to reset. That's the rule. There's exceptions to the rule, but that's the rule. And the Falcons are right there. They needed to reset probably a year ago. Their offense, yeah, it's good. And it'll probably be good again. Like Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, they're going to be good. Matt Ryan, if he can stay healthy and show what he's done, their offense is going to be okay. But you haven't done enough to improve that defense to really compete anyways. So if you maybe improve that drastically, then you wanted to keep Julio. But yeah, it's, at the end of the day, they're just in a big mess right now. I don't really know which way they want to go. And I mean, as a Falcons fan, I'd be lost. Like, where are you going? What are we doing? And so if you have the confusion of the Julio trade and you're saying, oh, it's a terrible trade. I get your confusion, but it's not. They needed to move on, but yeah,
0: it's just, it's a tough spot. I don't really know where to touch on it more than that. Well, I think the confusion lies, and like, as I said, we're banging, we're, we're, we're circling back really is the confusion lies with like, if you're going to do it, why not do it all out? And maybe, maybe fans don't want to admit that like it's hard to accept that you're going to be bad for the next couple of years. I mean, I was thankful enough and you as well that we, you know, like I've only been watching Miami for probably like serious. I've been seriously watching Miami for five years. Like I was through the Jay Cutler phase. Like I've been through it, through all that, but like we have the, like the, um, the solace to know that like, we've been like, we have a direction. We have a coach that we'd run a, through a brick wall for. We have that foundation on defense um you know being one of the best defensive teams in the league other than week 17 last year right like we were one of the best defensive teams in the league we knew that we needed to fix our offense Like we have that direction we have young pieces but when you have this guy who's not only super talented but a fan favorite right sometimes you have to trade a fan favorite the habs did that with pk suban pk suban was loved in montreal And what did the Habs do? They traded him to get better. And where are they now? And I know it's different, pandemic, blah, 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 North Division, but they're in a better place with Shea Weber. Sometimes that's what you have to do as a football team to get better. I mean, the biggest example can always be is we'll go
1: back to the Raptors because they won a championship. Yes. DeMar DeRozan, when he got traded, people talked about him being the greatest Raptor of all time. Kyle Lowry's now taking that. But when he got traded, people were talking about it. So you traded one of the most beloved Raptors of all time. And what happened out of it? You won a championship. So sometimes you have to make those tough choices. And yeah, you probably don't want to, but you're not going to win it. You're not winning it this year with Julio, Matt Ryan and stuff. You're not. You weren't going to. So yeah, you got to move on. And I think we can uh, move on past this now.
0: The last thing I want to say on this um yeah, I mean, if, if anybody disagrees with their takes, as I said, anytime you disagree with their takes, I love it. If it starts a conversation, I love it. Hit us up, at Over6 on Twitter. Text us if you got our numbers. I ain't giving it out online, but if you got our numbers, feel free to text us or ask for it on Twitter. DM us. I don't really care. You disagree with our takes, talk about it with your family and friends. And be like, these idiots on Over6. Look at what they were saying. <laughs> yeah, we still get your listen. That's the big thing, right? So we love, we love the controversy. But the last thing that I'll uh, – I'll kind of say on that is that, you know, Julio's talking about, oh, I want to go to the team that the guy can throw a deep ball. He went to the Titans. You know who's the quarterback for the Titans, Cam? Ryan Tannehill. Can Ryan Tannehill throw a deep ball? No. No. The answer is unequivocally no. Um, did you watch him play for Miami? It was he he could not throw it for more than forty yards downfield to save his life. So good luck with that. Um, I mean, I don't wish you success because you're kind of in the same spot, and I don't want to have to compete with you all year. It's fine, but um, I mean, whatever. Fan favorite, changing his number, the whole nine yards. We've talked about the Falcons way too much, way too much. Can't even. I don't even talk about them for a long, long time, at least until the NFL season starts. So what do we got next, Cam?
1: So where do you want to start this, Burke? we got to kind of touch on the NHL playoffs, where things yes. are at. Do we? you want to let me have a quick rant about the Habs, or do you want to touch on the other series first?
0: No, you go ahead, man. You deserve it.
1: So we've already touched on the Montreal Canadiens swept the Jets here. One, as we've discussed, why was everyone so positive that the Jets were going to run through this Habs team? Why was everyone still doubting this Habs team? They were by far the better team in games five, six, and seven against the Leafs. They have proven that they are the best team in the North. They don't have the most skill. They have proven that they are the best team in the North in the playoffs. I mean, they won the North.
0: The best team in the North. The yes. Yeah. Team. Underlining team and the best grinding, right? Like let's keep that, like, let's make that extremely clear. As you said, they don't have the most skill because it's pretty obvious that on paper, and I know you talked about depth, but the Leafs on paper had a better lineup. But they have the best team. There's no I in team. There's no dollar signs in team. Best team. And it's sometimes the best team with a really good goal like gets hot. Just wanted to clarify that.
1: Yeah, so they have been the best team overall in the North. And it's not close. The one thing I keep seeing media go on about is Price has now stolen two series. He has not. Price has been really good, and
0: he should be. He's a ten and a half
1: million dollar goalie.
0: Yes, but he has by far not stolen either series. He stole one overtime, and maybe game one of the Leaf series. Maybe, like he robbed Marner in the third period. Like he, he's there's there's two examples in the Leaf series that I can say that he played unbelievable. Game one, and the overtime in game six where he had thir- the shots were thirteen to two. Other than that, especially in the Winnipeg series, like, give me a break. Well, that's
1: the thing. You look at the first round series. Technically, Campbell's numbers were actually better than Price's. So how did he steal the series? This Winnipeg series, it wasn't even close. Maybe the 1-0 game, he kind of stole. He was great. And they scored a shorthanded goal. 1-0. The other three games, Montreal absolutely dominated the Jets. Game four, Jets' season on the line. The shots were like forty two to sixteen. How did Kerry Price steal that game? I don't get it. He actually wasn't very
0: good. No neither no. goal he's gonna be happy with. I mean, he was But that's what happened. Can, happens. I, can and, I show to can I show to my boy first? Sure. Okay. Logan Stanley. So I was Kitchener Rangers season ticket holder when they went on the run. Uh they they were in the finals of the OHL, almost made the The Memorial Cup. I believe they lost in overtime in Game 6 or Game 7 or whatever. I think it was Game 7, Triple OT, actually. But um, they went on this amazing run. Logan Stanley was clutch there. Um, Kind of fringe NHL defenseman. Made the Jets lineup. Scored his first goal ever in March. First NHL goal in March and scored two in the playoffs. Shout out to Logan Stanley. Love that guy. Does not mean the goals are any good, though. Because they were, frankly, short side both of them. Not that great. Still love the guy.
1: So Montreal battled back from that, Price being very average in Game 4, but Montreal was so dominant. Carey Price has been good. He should be. He's paid $10.5 million, but by no means has he stole either series. This team has just come together, and they are playing phenomenal hockey as a team from 1 to, what, 14, 15 forwards now? And we are now 8 defensemen deep. They are playing like a team and playing extremely well. The thing I don't understand, I know they're going to go into this next round. People might be taking sweeps for Colorado or Vegas. I actually hope they do. I keep hoping everyone's going to doubt this Habs team because this is just such a team. They haven't, and the craziest thing is, they haven't needed price to be what we know price can be. And that's the best thing about this. The thing that I can't get over recently is, what is so different about this Habs team compared to Vegas or the Isles? Like... Built with tons of depth, tons of speed. They can grind it out. They have deep defensemen, and they got really good goaltending. What is so special about Vegas or the Isles that there can be favorites and talked about as Stanley Cup contenders, and everyone still thinks Montreal was the 16th best team in the playoffs? I it think doesn't that, make sense. Yeah.
0: I, I think the Islanders are, are a good example. Um, I think they're similar. Right? Where there's like, I mean, they got Barzell and all that kind of stuff, but like I think that's the difference. Is you got Barzell on the Islanders, and you've got Mark Stone on Vegas. And you could say, well, there's Marchisot and all that kind of stuff. Mart and I like Marchisot, don't get me wrong, but he, like he's not a he, he's not a number one guy. Like he's he's good, but he's not like he's not like he's not a Shifley, he's not a Matthews, he's not any of those kind of guys, right? So I think that's the difference. Like you've got two guys that are polarizing guys. Barzell, Mark Stone. But it's been proven by the Habs twice now. Where you've got Ehlers, Connors, Shifley swept. Um, uh, Winnipeg swept uh, Edmonton. McDavid, Nurse, um, Drysettle swept. You know, Matthews, Marner. Would have been Tavares, but he was out. But Matthews, Marner, and, uh, and Nylander lost in game seven so the difference is is that the habs don't have those flashy names so I mean, that's yeah, what's
1: people are not giving enough credit to the second line i think because of how yes young they are and fill coffee and the no yeah but they even have gallagher who's a 30 goal scorer almost oh, every yeah. year but this i like i don't think people realize how good nick suzuki is mm-hmm. or how good caulfield has yep. already looked yes. and then you have tyler defoli who's a 30 goal score on that line. I don't think they're giving enough credit to how skilled that second line is of Caulfield, Suzuki and Tafoli. Can I make a comment about
0: Tafoli by the way? Yeah. So to me, Tafoli is always in the right place at the right time. Which by the way is actually a skill. Because if you're in the wrong place at the at the like if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, you never get anything done. But Tafoli I feel like he's not that he's not that gritty. I don't feel like he's that talented, so to speak. And when I say talented, like obviously he's playing in the NHL, he's playing on a really good team, but he just has the ability to be in the right place at the right time. I mean like look at the the goal in overtime in game four. And by the way, Caulfield's unbelievable. I can't believe this guy did not start the series with for Montreal. Like it just blows my mind that he wasn't in because I mean, he's small, but he is quick. He is quick. He's got amazing, amazing vision. He can shoot the puck. Um, but yeah, like I mean, Toffoli's always in the right place at the wrong time. It's not. So wrong place. Sorry, right place at the right time. It's not a slight against him by any means. But if you look at a lot of the goals he's had, he's just always sitting there, and the puck comes to him. That's, that's that, the, that that is a skill.
1: Yeah, and when you're playing with guys with the skill and the vision of Caulfield and Suzuki. It's awesome to have a guy like him there. Yeah. Like for you sure. saw the skill of Caulfield on that goal and the vision. It's it's awesome. You still gotta bury
0: there's... it too. Like I, I I know I'm saying that I don't think that he's the most talented guy ever. I don't think that's shocking. I mean, when he played for LA and won the cup, it wasn't like he was a first line winger. Um but but you still have to bury that pass. And it wasn't like Caulfield just feathered it over to him. He snapped it over. Like it was it was still a great goal for him and him to get it off. Yeah, and the other thing you got
1: to love about every single guy on this Montreal team is they're responsible in their own end. There's not a guy who you're scared of putting on the ice and you saw it all series. Montreal's four lines play similar. Do you yeah. know who is actually the lowest time on ice out of their forwards?
0: Um can I guess? Go for it. I would say ooh. I'm going to say Cockneyham was lowest. Josh Anderson played the least amount of time. Interesting.
1: Wow, that surprises me, though. That third-fourth line was Kokaniemi, Byron, and Anderson, and they played the least amount of time because that Stahl-Perry-Armia line was so good.
0: Oh, Perry's been unbelievable.
1: This is just the thing about this team is they're running four lines who have now shown all four lines can score, all four lines can play defense, all four lines are doing a lot. I just think... The biggest thing is, is because they're under 21, Caulfield and Suzuki get overlooked so much at having that high-end skill. I mean, I don't know if people appreciate, especially Suzuki. Caulfield, people are starting to appreciate. He doesn't play a ton, so I get why he has not. But Suzuki is only in his second year, and they were both shortened seasons. This guy's so good. And it's just, I think he's so underrated right now. He won't be. In two years, he will not be underrated, especially playing with Caulfield. For sure. But just watching this team, the way they're playing, and with all these Stanley Cup winners who were big, like Corey Perry is a Stanley Cup winner. Yeah, he's getting old. But last year, he was a massive part of Dallas making the Stanley Cup Finals. He's proven that he's just built for playoffs. Tyler Toffoli won the Cup. He was really good for Vancouver last year in their run, too. Just all these guys, they're built for this time of year. Eric Stahl, I didn't even want him playing in the series. He's been so good for them. Joel Edmondson, Ben Chirot, They've been so good, and it's just everybody up and down this lineup, so I know they're going to go into next series being massive underdogs, and you know what? I'm good with it because Carey Price hasn't had it needed to be unreal yet, and he can be, and this team's right there, and I don't think everybody should be overlooking them as much as they are anymore. This is a really good hockey team. They've come together at the right time, and really, that's what matters. You've seen teams like this go on runs, and I'm excited. I'm anything now is good. I mean, I didn't expect them to get this far, but I mean, yeah, this is exciting and I don't think people should be overlooking them again, but I know every media member is going to take Vegas or Colorado probably
0: in five or six again. Well, and I think like, let's get into that then. I think that's where we're going to start. I mean, we got a couple other NHL teams that we got uh, the Jays to talk about, but uh, let's get into Vegas and and the Az for a second. And then we'll, we'll bring that back to the Habs because yeah, the halves are through. They're in the conference championships, which is really not the conference championships; it's the semifinals, of the Stanley Cup final. Because um, there's no, you know, there's no conference cha- uh, trophy or whatever. Um, man, I cannot believe. And this was actually let's talk about this first about Vegas and the Avalanche. Grubauer got some hate this morning after they lost in OT. Got some hate. They like, people are bitching about him saying. You know, oh well. Colorado would have been vet, you know, better if he played better. Meanwhile, Colorado has what was it, five goals four in the last three games or something like that? After yeah. scoring what was it, six in the first game? Seven in the first game. Seven in the first game? Like they, they just and like if 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 you were a Vegas fan, right? And you or sorry, a Colorado fan, and you were to and you came to me if I was a Colorado fan, which I like Colorado, I said that before but if if you come to me and say, okay, so, um, no, the other way. So if you would if if you would have come to me as a Colorado fan and said that, uh, no, I'm screwing this up. If I was a Vegas fan, there we go, I got it. And I was a, if I was a Vegas fan and marc Andre is in that and you came to me and said, okay, so Colorado's gonna score five goals in three games, I'd be like, okay, sign me up. Because Vegas has made it very obvious that they can score more than five in three games. Like, come on, like, come on, like, it's just it's ridiculous. Like, like, it's, it's, and and, and frankly, Colorado's lucky that this series isn't over in five. Like, they they won the first one and the Leonard move. Now that we talked about that last week, that Leonard move was genius when it comes. Like, like, now that we've we have the benefit of hindsight, that was brilliant. Because then the next game, Colorado won by the skin of their teeth and, frankly, shouldn't have. Like, this should have been a 4-1 series, and it should have been over. It was over. It should, And I still think it is. I think still think Vegas is going to win. Yeah, I mean,
1: I'll give Colorado some bounce. They were probably the better team yesterday. Flurry had an unbelievable game. But you know Flurry can do that. He's done it in the past. He let in one soft goal to start the game, and then was unbelievable and shut the door after that. But, yeah, like Colorado – Won the first game 7-1. Everyone's like, oh, man, this Colorado team. Looking back on that game now, you're like, Vegas just mailed it in. They were coming off a seven-game series. They're like, you know what? Let's rest flurry. Let's take it easy. Let's just basically mail in this game. Go down 1-0, which isn't ideal. But again, you're not in trouble till you lose at home, unless it goes to game seven, because one team does have home ice advantage. But game two, they were way better. There was a terrible penalty in overtime that gave Colorado's power play a chance, and Colorado's power play is unreal. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, the, like, Vegas has been the much better team in this series, and it's not that close. And I think it just adds, like, Vegas has such good depth. Colorado should, but I think that cadre injury
0: is hurting them more than you think. And suspension. Now they,
1: yeah, sorry. Suspension.
0: Which, so by again, the way, it was upheld. upheld The arbitrator upheld it at eight games, which is not shocking. I think that cadre injury, especially against a team like, or injury,
1: I, suspension Jesus is really Christ. really it's, hurting it's suspension, man.
0: I mean, it's, it's really not hurting an them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's really hurting them against a deep team like Vegas. Is if that first line and I know they split them up last night isn't scoring, then they're in trouble. And I think that's just where him not being in the lineup makes a massive difference. And if they push it, if they can win Game Six, Kadri does come back for Game Seven, so that'll be a big boost for them, assuming he doesn't cross the line again, which he's known to do in playoffs. But they got to win Game Six, and I just don't know if they're going to do it. I mean, yeah, Grubauer. You'd like for him for him to be better, but when you've got a team with the players you have, your goalie clearly can't be your best player. It's the same issue I've had with Leafs or some of those teams in the past. Like, you have how many, how much money in forwards, and you still expect to have like what a ten million dollar goalie? Tampa's the only one who can do that because they cheat around the cap. Yep. But no other team can do that. If you have all these top end players, you can't have a top end goalie. If so, you'd have an all star team, which Tampa basically does. Yep. Grubauer's been fine. Yeah, he hasn't won you anything. He hasn't cost you anything either. You weren't the better teams in the games you lost. You just weren't. Maybe yesterday... It's that simple. Yesterday, maybe Flurry did kind of steal that one a bit. But again, Vegas doesn't have all that money in forwards. Not that Colorado has the money or top-end players. So they have the... I mean, they have the money in their goalies. So their goalies should get the job done. But
0: yeah, I... Let's just acknowledge, by the way, that they do have top end players that just aren't making the money. Like McKinnon yeah. at six and a half. Come on.
1: Oh, and you got Kyle McCars on a
0: rookie contract, so they do have these guys who. But half half their defense is on a rookie contract. Like it's like they're they're in an amazing cap situation right now. Yeah, so that's. But their their window's small. Like let's just acknowledge this. That like being color like we both like Colorado, but um, and McKinnon came out and said that you know I, I take a less deal again. That's all fine and dandy, man, but. Like they got guys to sign too. Like let's not just let's not kid ourselves. That they, they, like you think Kale McCarr is going to take a four million dollar deal? No chance.
1: No, I don't know if their window is that small because you do have like Landis Cogrant and McKinnon are all on decent contracts. So Landis Cog we'll thinks
0: up up next year.
1: Like yeah, he, but he, again, they, 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 I don't know got... if he's he's not a guy who's going to be looking at ten million dollars. So I think they're no, actually
0: don't but... be okay. <sighs> That'd be okay, but, but all I'm saying is, though, is that you've got guys that, like, McCarr's going to win the Norris this year. And, like, maybe maybe it's it's convenient having McKinnon saying, hey, like, I took... Like, okay, if McKinnon took six and a half, could you imagine being anyone else on that team when your captain takes six and a half million dollars and he's worth 12 or 11? And you take more than him? Like, d- I get like that. That's where I could see them being fine capitalized. But if they don't, if they're young guys, they're like, fuck you. Like I'm taking what I'm worth. I mean, maybe they get into trouble that way, but I don't know. I could be off base here yeah I mean you saw it in Pittsburgh Crosby took less so it had a couple other people kind of followed suit you've seen it in Tampa guys kind of taking less than they're worth other guys Tampa's not suit no come on Tampa's not we cannot do not ever speak of Tampa and cap space ever again because the, that's the the like seriously like they in the like in the trading world they're just shorting stock like they're it's ridiculous like they just do whatever the heck they want there's no repercussions. That needs to get fixed. I don't care. Montreal, actually, Montreal gets screwed by this the worst. Any Canadian team gets actually screwed, but Montreal gets screwed the worst, having the worst provincial tax and federal tax, and yet they still get it done, and then Tampa just waltzes in, keeps everybody on injured reserve. They sign players to probably $2-3 million less because of uh, state tax. Like, it's bullshit. I'm sorry. But well, I just think that could be a difference.
1: If you have a guy like McKinnon who's one of the best players in the league, who's one of your leaders, go and take less – it just makes every other guy want to follow suit. Yeah. You're like, well, if he's taking less to stay on this team and keep us together, I got to take less and keep us together. So that's going to start with really 100%. good leadership.
0: But- so let's talk about here's – here's where I want to go with this, Cam, is um, which out of Colorado and Vegas would you rather face? Now, that's a tough question because, you know, you, you're going to – you know, the, the – If you asked a Habs player that question, they would say, you know, whoever wins, we want to play the best team, blah, blah, blah. We have faith in our team, yada, 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 whatever. They're going to give a stock answer. If you were to pick a team to play against and it's looking like statistically, as you said, Vegas should win this series by the the book, by the stats. um, Which team, if you could pick one as a Habs fan, would you rather face that you think that Montreal would stack up better against? Well, yeah, it's kind of a pick-your-poison type deal. I
1: don't think either's great because, again, they are both and should be cup favorites. But if I had to choose a team right now, if you put a gun to my head, it's going to be Colorado. I think Montreal just lines up better against Colorado. You've seen the way they could shut down Matthews and Marner. Nobody on Winnipeg looked that dangerous the entire time. That Dano Gallagher, Leckin, Evans, whoever that other winger is, they could shut down one line really well. And I trust them to go against anybody, especially with the way this defense is playing. And you know Carey Price can be it. And then I don't think, although Grubauer I think is a good goalie, I don't think he's stealing anything. So I just like that matchup a lot better. Vegas is just very similar to Montreal in every way they're built. I mean, Mark Stone's better than Philip Deneau, but he's a similar build. That really strong two-way forward. And just tons of depth. Tons of skill all over the place. Guys who can kind of score 20 goals. That's They're built very similar. Defense is good. And they got a goalie who can steal games. And that scares me. That's the thing that scares me the most about the playoffs. It doesn't really matter about the rest of the team. In a seven-game series, any goalie can kind of steal it. And Flurry's proven he can. He's now, what, fifth all-time in playoff wins? Yep. So, yeah, Vegas scares me more than Colorado. I Again, like I've said earlier, I actually feel not that bad anymore. The way Montreal's playing... They can compete with anybody, I think, in this league at the moment. Just they're playing s- such a good system and so unified that I think it'll be good. But, yeah, if I had to choose, it's going to be Colorado. I just think the matchup's much better,
0: and this Vegas matchup's going to be tough. i just like to interject, and we're going to get to this in a second, but the Islanders are up 4-1 on the Bruins in Game 6. They're up 3-2 in the series. We're going to get to that in a minute. Um, I'm going to disagree with you. Which we do we do this a little bit where we disagree. It's no fun always to agree. I think Vegas stacks up better for Montreal because they're similar. Because I think that the 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 reasoning behind this is is that they both have like Vegas and Montreal both have goalies that can steal games. So I think they kind of offset. I think Flurry and Price kind of offset there. And then basically across the board, other than Stone, they offset. And that's where Dano comes in though. Right? If you can beat the Leafs, I think you can beat I think you can beat Vegas. The, the reason I think Colorado would be tougher for Montreal would be I think that Montreal's, uh, sorry, Colorado's power play is better and I think that they have a higher ceiling. So I think that, like, this is why Montreal and Vegas are similar is I don't think they have the highest ceiling. But they definitely don't have the lowest floor. I think Colorado has the highest ceiling. I think they can play to way better than both of those teams. But I think it's been pretty obvious that when they don't have that, they play at a low floor. So I think Vegas stacks up better because I think that, I think that it will be a pretty even matchup. And yeah, it might go to seven and it, and it could be a coin flip. I really do think that Vegas and, and Montreal is a coin flip. With Colorado, it's like I think again, it's similar to the Leafs, where I think it again, it could still go six or seven, but it could be four, not it could be a sweep by Colorado, or it could be a Habs game seven win. I just think that realistically, Montreal's best chance is versus Vegas because I think they stack up similar. Would you not rather play that similar team and grind it out and have a coin flip, like a legit 50-50, as opposed to being like a 60-40? Like, realistically, Colorado should win 6 out of 10 series, uh, as opposed to 5 and 5? To me, actually, it's like not even really that close. If they're playing Colorado,
1: I'm taking the Habs, and it's going to be 6 or 7 for Habs. If they're playing Vegas, I think it's Vegas in 7. The one thing about the power play, I know Colorado's power plays looked ridiculous. Montreal is plus on the penalty kill in these plays. They are. They have allowed three power play goals against and have scored four shorthanded goals. So they're actually. Which which
0: one was (laughs) against the Leafs, right? One? Yeah, they had a game winner against the Leafs. Game one. And three, three were against Winnipeg? Yeah, Armia had two in the same game, and Toffoli had the one nothing game. That's winner. just fucking stupid, though. Like, three shorthanded goals in a playoff series. Like, that can't happen. That just speaks one, to how bad Winnipeg is. One of them was an empty netter, but it still counts as shorthanded. So I oh, what, I don't care. Back. I don't care. I mean, when I, I, like, whatever. But that's like, why,
1: like, power play is not scaring me that much right now. Like, this probably kills Colorado
0: seems- should, because it's nasty.
1: No, it is it is nasty, but this team just knows how to kill penalties, and they got big bodies who everyone's willing to play 200-foot game. So I like the matchup against Colorado better. I think it's going to be Vegas, but, I mean, I think we can move on from all this if uh, we want to yeah. move into – let's touch on the last series that has ended. We might as well quickly touch on that before yep. we touch on the game that's currently going on. So, sure. I mean, Tampa beat Carolina, and it's not really shocking. I don't think nope. that it shocked anybody. I mean, Carolina to me is almost kind of the opposite of like Montreal, where there's such a team that with their depth and kind of their game plan and everything with multiple goalies and everything, they're built for the regular season and not as much for the playoffs, if that makes sense at all. I mean, they're still a really good hockey team. I just don't see how they get it done against teams like Tampa and stuff. And I don't really know what to think of them every year. I also think once you get into like the top final eight in the league, you need to know who your starting goalie is. And they still didn't. They didn't know who they wanted to go with. And I said that in the first round with the teams that lost. You need to know who your goalie is. And whether he has a bad game or not, you need to figure it out. And they didn't want to do that. They kept flip-flopping, not really showing who was going to play in Nedeljkovic or Morazic.
0: And I just think that's a bad recipe for success. I just think the big thing here is is that like you look at Tampa, and I mean... Man, you got this. You got the defending Stanley Cup champs. It's pretty. I mean, what they bring to the table is very obvious, and like, I don't know. Like, I mean, Carolina was, as you said, they were good all regular season. They got things done. They were playing in division in a division that, yeah, I mean, there were some good teams in there. There are some bad teams in there, but. I really thought that the storm surge would help. I mean, definitely the the Kaniacs as they call them, which, by the way, I hate that nickname. It's so dumb. Um, I mean, they got a nickname. They got amazing fans. Like, shout out to the Carolina fans. Like, they've they've come out, man. They they've like they show up every game. They cheer their ass off. Like they like they're amazing. I like, think the name is dumb, but at the end of the day, as you said, man. Like they just like you got to make sure your goaltending is good to go. And they just, they they didn't have it. And in their defense, I mean, you are playing, I mean, look at um, uh, McGinn, Brock McGinn, man. Like this guy played, scored some goals, had some assists, shout out. We're hoping to have him on the show at some point. Um, But like they, they, like he played really well, but that can't be your number one guy um, because look at the talent that Tampa's got. Like, I mean, they're, they're, and we talked about this beforehand, Right. We said, like, if, if Tampa stays healthy and Kuch plays, like, Kucherov plays well, that they're going to be successful. And that's kind of what's happened. They haven't had injuries. Like, Stamkos is still playing. is playing. Doesn't look rusty at all. Um, Vasilevsky's looked unbelievable. Like, they just, it's, it's, if this team fires on all cylinders, this shouldn't be that shocking to any hockey fans.
1: Well, yeah, I'm going to change my note off last week after seeing what's gone on in this Vegas Colorado series. Uh, the Stanley Cup favorite has to be the defending champions. The issue with Tampa is, is like Vasilevsky was bad in the first game. So they just outscore him being bad. And then he goes and steals one of the next games when they really had no business winning. And that's the issue with Tampa. Like no matter, as long as one thing's going, they seem to be able to get out of anything. They can outscore teams. They can out ten teams. Yep. Their defense looks good. It's, just they're impossible to match up with. I mean, it's easy when you're how many millions of dollars over the cap to have that, but yeah, 18, it's just, 18 or 19. It's just tough. Like I was really thinking it would be an issue if Kucherov didn't look good. He looks like he's been healthy all year. I mean, he wasn't healthy all year. I know that hip injury does wink, take a while. Wink, nudge, <laughs> but nudge. Then there was lots of talk that Hedman was really going to be questionable and it doesn't seem to be he is either so injuries is going to be the big question with them and how healthy they were, but they just look so good right now. I mean, I never really liked that Carolina team. It'll be interesting to see how they play against probably this Isles team and how defensive and don't give up chances but give up lots of shots style works, and we'll see how that matchup is. But yeah, Tampa's just got to go back to being the favorites, and seeing the way this Colorado-Vegas series is gone, Tampa's the
0: favorites again, and it sucks because my only future bet was on Colorado, so... Well let's 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 do Boston and and New York and then let's get to our favorites here. Um I think it's gonna be a pretty easy consensus. But out is up four one on the Bruins, I mean people were chirping today about how uh oh, Tavara has cancer in the room, blah blah blah. I mean, honestly, it's pretty gutless. I mean, he's one of the better players on the Leafs this year. Just wanna throw that out there.
1: Four one going into the third though. Doesn't Boston
0: have teams right where they want them? Yeah, <laughs> oh, that is gutless. That is that that is a gutless, disgusting comment, and I will not ignore. No, we're done with that. Um, you know, I mean, like it was thrown out today, like that. You know, like Tavares, like he leaves the Islanders and they're successful. I mean, they were a good team when they had him, and then they leave, and the Islanders fans said they we don't need you, and that's fine. Like I have no problem with that. If you don't need them, then by all means, you don't need them. And I just, I mean, I just find it. I, the reason I find it gutless is, first of all, you're calling out a guy who had a had a sneaky, fantastic season with the Leafs numbers-wise, and then got knocked out in Game 1 of, of the Stanley Cup Final. I mean, it's really, as I say, it's gutless to take shots at this guy because of that. Um, he's been really good, and I, I just don't see, like, Taylor Hall was mentioned. I'm like, don't even mention John Tavares and Taylor Hall in the same breath. Like, seriously. You know, talk about cancer in the room, I mean, Taylor Hall went from Edmonton, sucked. Went to Buffalo, sucked. Went to, to Boston, was successful when they have amazing talent on that team. And even he, like even, you know, this year, like as, as it looks currently, you know, Boston's not going to get it done, which, you know, it brings me joy, but the Islanders have, have fundamentally been built well and full credit to Lou Lamorello. I'm glad he's not in Toronto. I don't, I don't think the Islanders are going to win the Stanley Cup. Um, but full credit there, man. Like he's built a team that's that's good enough to get to the third round, and that's fine. But they play boring hockey. And there's no there's no sugarcoating it. They play boring hockey. They clog the neutral zone. They don't give up a lot of a major chances. As he said, they give up a lot of boring shots from the sides, from the point, whatever the case is. They don't give up a lot of high danger scoring chances, and that's just how they play. Nobody wants to watch the Islanders play because that it's it's just the worst hockey ever. It really is. So
1: so the biggest thing with the Isles is, I know you touched on Lou, but I mean, I'm not a big fan of Lou overall. No, me neither. It's their head coach. Barry Trotz has proven that he is one of the best He's a winner. coaches in this league. He f- comes up with a game plan. He did it for Washington, won them the cup. Washington's biggest mistake was letting him leave. I think Washington will be, would be right where the Isles are if they could have kept Barry Trotz. He comes up with a game plan. He they gets the team to buy in, and he executes it perfectly. That's what he's doing here with this Isles team. Again, Barry Trots deserves a ton of credit. He is a great coach in this league, and he seems to be more of a player's coach than some of these other guys who you talk about being great coaches. He kind of does it all. I mean, he was super successful and had how many years did he coach in Nashville without getting fired, which is unheard of Lots. in today's NHL. I mean, Nashville never got over it, but then he did it with Washington, and now he's having a great success with this Isles team. And yeah, it's terrible hockey to watch. They're going to give up terrible. a ton of, chan- ton, ton of shots, not many chances, and hope to score. So like a 4-1 lead for the Isles is pretty safe as long as their goalie plays well and plays decent, because they're going to get shots, but they shouldn't be that hard of shots. But yeah, I just think Barry Tross is proving himself to be one of the best coaches in the league, if not the best coach in the league right now. And I mean, the Siles team's buying in, and that's what you need. They do have some really good pieces on that team. We're not going to move by that. But as a team, like it's not that different than Montreal. You just get a team to buy into a system. You've got some guys who are good, and you can get it done, especially in playoff time.
0: And like not only that too, but like let's not kid ourselves. The Habs do not play that ex- much exciting hockey either. I'm sorry they don't. But it's no,
1: they're not playing super it's, exciting it's efficient, hockey. They're not though. giving
0: up the same um, quantity of shots though. No, but it's efficient is what I'm trying to say. It's like they're very efficient. They know what they're doing. They they don't play this run and gun style cuz it's not their style. Same thing with the Isles. And you can be successful in that. Absolutely you can. Is it a recipe to win the Stanley cup? I don't know. It's going to, time's going to tell because Tampa doesn't play that annoying style of hockey and they do very successful. Now they're, as I said, 18 million over the cap, 19 million over the cap, whatever they are. And they, you know, which again, we're just saying that to chirp Tampa fans because seriously, fuck them. And that's a terrible system. But I mean, they're, they're good at what they do. They are, they won the Stanley cup last year. They deserve the respect that we should all give them. Um, I mean, this is a great opportunity here, Cam. Then it's like so. Realistically, from what it seems right now, and that could change. I mean, Boston comes back in this game. Boston's winning in seven. I have no doubt about it. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, but you're going to have, you know, the Islanders playing Tampa, and you're going to have, let's just say, Vegas wins. You have Vegas uh, playing the Habs. Out of those four teams, is Tampa still your favorite? I know you kind of said that earlier. Is Tampa still your favorite to win the Cup? Does do the Islanders have a prayer against Tampa in that series? I actually don't
1: really think so. I think it'll be interesting to see this clash of styles, and I think by game two or game two, you'll pretty much know exactly how the series is gonna go. Uh but yeah, if I had to take a team right now, it's gonna be Tampa, and I think it could be over in five or six. I just I don't see how the styles match up against each other, and Tampa just looks too good right now. I mean, Carolina's got a similar style, they didn't get very good goaltending because they had a goalie controversy, but Tampa's just so good, and I don't know if the Isles are that good, so I think, yeah, Tampa's going to win that one, and I think it's going to be fairly easy. I don't think there's going to be much stress to it.
0: So if you had to put a game on it, what do you got the games at?
1: I'll take Tampa in six.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I'm probably in the same spot. Um, I'm going to put a caveat, though. I'm going to say Tampa in seven, only because I think that the Islanders can frustrate them and slow them down in the neutral zone and make it really annoying. I think it could be like one-goal games all over the place. And one-goal games are coin flips, man. You're a bounce away. You're a skate, puck to skate away. You're a penalty away. Like it. It is what it is. Who knows? Again, I'm going to hate-watch the Islanders because, seriously, Islanders fans can screw off with the whole Tavares thing, seriously. Um, but at the same time, I don't want Tampa to win. I, there's like nobody in this playoffs I want to win. This is where I'm at, where I'm like, I don't want the Islanders to win. Because of Tavares thing. I don't want Tampa to win because they won last year. They can suck it. I don't want the Habs to win because, I mean, that's pretty obvious why I don't want the Habs to win. Like, sorry, but I just don't want it. There's lots of room on the bandwagon. No, absolutely not. Not going to happen ever. Um, Now that my Winnipeg vindication is done, like, fuck the Habs. Hope they lose. And, I mean, I got Vegas or Colorado. So, I mean, I got to ride with one of those boys. I think that – Either team that the Habs play, I mean, I'm not going to overlook the Habs by any means. Like how, saying like Colorado in four or Vegas in five is really, really stupid. I don't care what team it is. I think that Montreal will push it to seven games. They've proved it uh, against the Leafs, who are an excellent team. They swept Winnipeg. Um, I think the Winnipeg sweep is actually going to hurt the Habs. I, I, I maybe you disagree. Um, I always. Think that a sweep hurts, no matter what. I as soon as Winnipeg swept Edmonton, I'm like, that is terrible for them. Be like, well, they're well rested, this, that, and the other thing. I think that's not good. And I know that for the Habs, I mean, they're going to get guys back who were injured and all that kind of stuff. And I get that. Um, but I don't know. I just, I mean, sometimes you build that self confidence in your head, and it just, it just doesn't play out. So, I mean, in, in that series, let's just say Vegas wins. I like Vegas in seven. And uh, as I said, Tampa. I think Tampa. In, uh, Tampa in 6 makes a lot of sense to me and then at this point, I mean Vegas versus Tampa in the Stanley Cup Final uh, I mean, Vegas is going to be due Vegas in 7 I'm going all the way The big
1: thing I'm curious about this series because the Isles will do it Tampa hasn't played a physical hockey team yet this playoffs. Florida's not very physical especially without Ekblad Carolina's not physical at all The Isles will be physical, especially that 4th line of Sezekis, Clutterbuck, and Martin I'm really curious how they'll match up against it. And then if you look at if and when they beat that series, if you're going to face Montreal or Vegas, they're going to be super physical against you. So I am curious to see how Tampa kind of reacts to that different style. But yeah, so if we're talking the other side of the bracket, Montreal versus Vegas, as I assume it is, I think it's going to be Vegas in seven. I See, the only thing about the entire sweep, I don't know if you saw much about Montreal today, is they had Bob Ganey come and talk to them during their team meeting, talk about how to prepare, how to do everything. So one of the huge advantages to being a Montreal Canadian and being a part of that organization is the alumni who have done it, who have won multiple Cups, who are Hall of Famers, some of the best, just to be able to have a guy be like, yeah, I'm at the rink, I'm going to come talk to you guys about how to handle this situation. Guys who have been through those sweeps, especially to a team like Montreal, I like the way that they're playing as a team and stuff. I don't think the sweep's going to matter either way. They're just such a unified team right now that I don't think it's going to be an impact, but I think Vegas is still going to win the series in seven. And yeah, I'm going to go with you on that one too. I think Vegas's physicality is going to be tough on Tampa in the finals. If that's the way it goes and uh, Vegas is going to take it. I'd, uh, I'd
0: much rather see Vegas win a cap than Tampa again. I, I agree. I always hate when it goes back to back and I had nothing against the Penguins, but I mean, that's just so annoying. Like, I don't know. I just, especially when you're over the cap by how, as much as you are and we keep ringing that bell. Like, I don't know. It just bothers me. It does. And I just, you know, I don't think it's Vegas, man. I really don't. I mean, like that town is open for business. They just said that they're 100%. There's no masks, no social distancing. They're like, we're good to go. Open up the floodgates. Let the gamblers in. Let the fans in. Like they're going to be just packed to the gills every game. Um, It's unbelievable. I'm so happy for them. I wish that we were in there. I mean, in Ontario – uh bars are opening up on or uh, pubs or whatever opening up on friday at uh some capacity four four people per table and outside but that's better than we've had in two months any other hockey uh nhl talk you want to you want to talk before we close it off with the jays no that's it for me
1: i'm just excited to uh have a quick little break here from the house maybe play a few rounds of golf and then get to watch them in the semifinals
0: yeah well, as I said, no offense to you. I hope they crash and burn. I would be thrilled to have sweep because I think it would just be I think it would just be unreal, man, like Winnipeg sweeps Oilers, and then Montreal sweeps Winnipeg, and then Montreal gets swept. That'd be hilarious. I think that'd be like, I wonder if that's ever happened where it's been sweep, 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 sweep in the Stanley Cup final. I don't think this ever happened. No, I, I
1: doubt it could have happened, but come on. You see the city of Toronto and the CN Tower want to cheer for the Habs? Come on. This entire country's got to get behind them. Let's not go. a
0: chance. Get out of here. There's no way. There's absolutely 0% chance. They, they, you know, I, no, I'm not even going to entertain this thought. Whatever. Let's move on. Jays, Vladdy's on a ridiculous tar- tariff still. Uh, didn't win last night. Uh, you can't win every night in the MLB. It is what it is. But I mean, Vladdy just continues to impress night after night. And it's amazing what this batting, li- like what this, what this lineup can do because you can't pitch around him. I don't know if we've talked about this yet, but you cannot pitch around Vladdy because the lineup is so good that if you're not pitching to Vladdy, you're pitching to Hernandez or you're pitching to Simeon or you're pitch- It doesn't matter. Like you're pitching to guys who can absolutely launch balls out of the park. And if you, if you, if you don't, throw to Vladdy um you basically you're got a guy on base with a guy that can essentially hit a bomb almost as good and man it's just it's such a fun time to be a Jays fan right now
1: yeah and that's the big thing like tonight Randall Grichik hit his 13th home run of the year everyone before the year was talking about what do you do with Randall Grichik because he brought George Springer in George Springer's been injured Grichik's played awesome you're like okay we now have to keep this bat in the lineup Vlad, yeah, it's just stupid what he's doing. Top three in every offensive category, basically, you could name. He's going to get MVP talk. I mean, we've already talked about Shohei Otani, and he's in a different league of his own, and there should be almost a separate trophy for that because nobody else does that. But, yeah, it's just the same talk, though. Like, last night, their bullpen was awful again. Robbie Ray had a terrific start. Yep. This bullpen's injured. It's running out of gas. It's not looking good. And the Jays need to act sooner than later. They need to really find some one or two pieces there. Their starting rotation's decent still. It's fine. You'd maybe want a better piece there, but you gotta do something in this bullpen and it's gotta happen soon. He can't keep losing these games where you're getting really good starting pitching, really good hitting, or decent hitting, and your bullpen's just being horrible. This lineup's too good and you have a couple really good pitchers, you just they gotta act sooner than later. I know Ideally, you're probably a year away from like next year's probably your best chance at winning. That's the window, but this window's open now. You're good. Yep, this lineup looks good. George Springer's now supposed to start a rehab stint, hopefully, next week. Like, you got to act now. Let's make a move. Let's try and solidify this bullpen a little bit
0: because that's the biggest glaring need. And let's look at the standings here. So, the Jays are seven back of the Rays, seven games back of the Rays, um, and in wild card. So, wild card, there's uh I believe they're still doing the top three. So division winners, and then basically second place of each division. So you have six teams make the playoffs uh, in the uh, in the American League. So the Jays are three games back at Cleveland for the last spot, last wildcard spot. Um, they got a lot of games left, man. They're, they're, they've played 58 games. Like, and this is where it's ridiculous, right? You're like, oh, we're five games back. Holy shit, how are we ever going to come back from that? Uh, well, you got 104 left. Like, it's it's this is the beauty of baseball, right? Like in the first couple of months, all you have to do, and we've been saying this forever, stay above 500. Like, get above 500, and then when you play the tougher schedule, you know, get 500 through that. And this is what they're doing against the White Sox right now, right? Is that they, you know they lost last night in late and they're 1-1 tonight, um, stay above five hundred. Like, set yourself up for success because it's easier to come back from three and a half games down, four games down, five games down than it is to come down back like last year where they were like 22 games down with 30 to go. Well, that's the biggest thing to look at. Like, they're in a really tough part of their
1: schedule right now. Like, the White Sox are really good. The weirdest schedule thing that the Jays have had this year is they have yet to play Baltimore. You look at Baltimore's record of 22-38. and 38. The Jays have yet to play them. That should be a team that you feast on. Baltimore's I mean, terrible. They're division, so they're going to get to play a ton of games against them down the stretch. So the Jays have actually left themselves in a really good spot. But that's, again, that's the reason why you need to do something about this bullpen. You're done fine now. You're two games above five hundred, which is okay. You've treaded water, but it's now starting to hit June. Now's when you got to start pushing and trying to get this division. You are playing Baltimore soon, and you got a ton of games against them, which you should be able to win those series fairly easily. So this is the time; like they got a really hard part of the schedule right now that they're just finishing up, and then it gets quite easy for a bit here, and they'll have to go and do well in that. And but it's a good year; it's just you got to do those extra things, make a push, make a trade or two, and uh, let's keep going. Because I mean. Hopefully with now you're seeing NHL teams allowed to cross back and forth over the border with protocols, hopefully by September and the
0: Jays are playing fall baseball, we can get the Jays back up here. And there's some light at the end of the tunnel for sure. Um, You know, I think that Ontario's 80%. I think right now, pretty close to it, vaccinated with the first shot. Uh, We're getting there. Keep fighting the good fight. Obviously restrictions are opening up or cases are going down. I love it. Love to see it um last thing cam before we head out of here because this has been a long one again this is what we do we get on tangents but i love it the more we talk the better um you know all of our fans we you might not talk about every episode you might not listen to all of it but that's fine um you know we want to talk we want to touch on everything the big thing that i want to uh touch on right now the nba we haven't talked about the nba that much and Part of that is because the Raptors, whatever, they played in Tampa, disaster, didn't make the play-ins, whatever the case is. LeBron James, out of the playoffs. Kawhi Leonard, clutch against Luka Doncic, and it didn't look good for a long time. Out of the remaining teams in the NBA right now, in the second round, you got the Nuggets, you got the Suns, You got the Hawks, you got the Sixers, the Clippers, the Jazz, and you've got the Nets and the Bucks. Out of those eight teams, which of the eight are you most confident in to make a finals run and take home the Larry O.B.? I mean, as he touched on
1: Kawhi, I think it's got to be the Clippers right now. A lot of these other teams I'm really unsure of, especially come playoff time, and we've seen what Kawhi could do. So I got a tough time betting against Kawhi when it comes to playoff time. He's done it in San Antonio. He's done it in Toronto. So I think he should be able to do it in L.A. The entire East, I just, I really don't know. And I've said that all year. That's why, like, when the Raptors were kind of making runs at times, I'm like, the East is wide open. So maybe they could get it done. But, yeah, I think you got to take the Clippers. I mean, I'd really like to say the Nuggets, but without Jamal Murray in the lineup, he's out for the year with surgery. i got a tough time going with them. I know they have the MVP now with Jokic, but...
0: Yeah, Which, by the way, that's a conversation on its own, that Jokic <laughs> won the MVP, not Steph Curry. I mean, come on. But, um, yeah, it's got to be the Clippers for me. Well, I mean, that's fair. Um, you know, you look at the East, and... Uh, I, I can't buy in on the Hawks or the Sixers. I just can't. So the only other two teams are the Bucs and the Nets, and the Nets are up 2-0. I mean, you got Kyra Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's a proven winner. Um, so I, I, I would – and the real thing to talk about in this conversation is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like, what is going on with it? Every time, like, they dominate all season long, and then they get the playoffs, and this guy just gets shut down every year. I don't know what it is. The team's terrible around him. It's not
1: a good team. He is a great player, but it's not a good team, and that's part of the reason I was hoping he'd come to Toronto because we have got a good team, a good organization. And instead, he made the mistake of staying in Milwaukee, and it's not going to work. I mean, that Nets team has three superstars. I know Harden's not playing, but... Yeah, I just don't think Milwaukee's a very good team. Antetokounmpo is a great player in this league, but they're not a really good team.
0: Yeah, and I yeah, I can't disagree. I also agree with you as well. I think the Clippers have the best chance here. You know, analysts were talking about how the Lakers and the Clippers were going to get to the finals. I don't see it happening. The Jazz are amazing. The problem with the Jazz is they can get really streaky. I think the Clippers are a fundamentally better team, and the Nets have a lot of firepower, Where I would not be shocked to see the Clippers versus the Nets in the NBA final. Not that we care that much cuz it's not the Raptors, but for all of our American listeners, we're gonna talk about some NBA for you because we know that you love it. Also, shout out to our listener from Australia. Thank you for listening to the Over Six Sports Podcast. Uh, you know, we've had listeners in Asia, in Europe, in Australia, North America. Um, we are two continents away. We get a listen in Africa, we get a listen in South America, and then we can officially say that we are over six worldwide, wide, wide, wide. Classic joke there. Anything else you got, Cam, before we head out for this week? No. Go, Habs, go. It's fun to uh, be in the Final Four. It's
1: a fun experience watching uh, your team win multiple playoff rounds in the same year. So let's go.
0: Hey, man, I'll tell you what. I'm glad for you. I'm happy for you. I'm sad for me. This could be the Leafs. It is what it is. And uh, as I said, no more leaf stock. I guess we'll see. By the time we talk next week, this series is going to be what is what is the first game? Does it start? Is it starting this weekend?
1: I have no idea. No, because I can't start this weekend in case I go game seven. And
0: yeah, that's Colorado. true. So I would assume that the first round game would be Monday. So we might get one game before our next podcast. So and by the way, shout out to the over six sports podcast as this is our 20th episode cameron congratulations we have hung on for a good amount of time 20 episodes is nothing to sneeze at whatsoever no i mean what was the stat is most podcasts
1: end after like seven episodes or something silly so something we're almost like that. Tri- triple that now so we're doing good I mean, it's fun. Like we said, we started this because we'll do this anyways. We'll sit for an hour and talk about sports anyways. So why not get people to uh, chime in, have some takes, talk about it, and uh, talk about it? That's the big thing: is having people talk about the
0: podcast and having people have banter about what we are saying. That's what this is about. If we can influence anybody, and and as as Cam said, we can start that conversation. And over six comes to mind when it comes to this stuff. We fully support it. We don't care about views. We don't care about any of this kind of crap. And we kind of care about views because, you know, share us with your families and friends and, you know, write reviews and all that kind of crap. Uh, But in the end of the day, like we're going to talk about this anyway. As Cam said, we'd love for you to talk about our takes to other people. You can always submit your takes on Twitter at over six sports or email us. Over six sports at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you if you want to come on the show. If you want us to try and get people on the show, or if you want to DM people, we don't really care. We are here for the people, and we're excited to be here after 20 episodes, 20 weeks. Can't wait to do another, uh, can't wait to do another uh, 32 more to round out the year. We're gonna get there, and it's gonna be uh, amazing. And for the over six sports podcast. I am Zach, the bandit Burke. And with me as always is Olay, Olay, Olay himself. Cam, the turf King, Charlton at a boy. Didn't even talk about the turf King. Thank you for listening to over six sports. And we'll talk to you next week.